I do. I have one more game to play. Oh, please. So, so, so it's all. It's based on on track six with the famous scene that they do recreate here. Of you ever feel like you've been cheated? Mm. So here's a game. Okay. Um, also, my least like scene in the maybe the entire th- up there with that punk who discovers punk at the beauty uh, uh-huh. convention. And it's because this is the. F- I will just say that the the every have you ever felt cheated last show is edited in the way that it seemed like the other the rest of the episode could have been edited, which would have been extra nauseating. There's so much crazy editing. That one shot of like Johnny like looking in the camera and it going like lots of looking in the camera like like, (laughs) nauseating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's lots of looking at the camera in number six, which kind of half gets us to where we wanted to go, but not exactly. But this is okay. So this is less a game than a, a series of uh, uh, riddles that each of you can take a guess, a stab at. <laughs> so here's the first riddle. What did Johnny Rotten say when he took his niece to the ice cream parlor? Ever, ever feel like you've been cheated? What? What's the last word you said? It's the last word's got to change. Ever feel like you've been sweetened? <laughs> nope. Tell me when you're ready. I we Pete, were ready. We said it. <laughs> no, you said sweetened. No, I said sweetened. <laughs> okay, so I said you ever feel like you've been treated? Oh, oh that's oh, good. That's this is good. A, this is a straight up NPR game. Yeah. Yes. What did? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you will? Uh, will wait? Wait! Don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. What did? Um, what did Johnny, Johnny Rotten say when he blanked at the ice cream store? <laughs> What's the guy who does the puzzle game? Will Shorts? You're Will Shorts? Yeah. What did, Punk Will uh, Shorts. Johnny, <laughs> what did John Lydon say when he went to the, um, went to the, the DMV to renew his license? Is it important that it's John Lydon and not Johnny Rotten for this one? Or, <laughs> or Yes. Or, what did, uh, so the same answer, different question. What did uh, Johnny Rotten say when he went to the uh, the Traveler's Massage Parlor? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <That> changed. <laughs> Ever get the feeling you've been... Completed. Completed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ever get the feeling okay, you've wait, been completed. The, what was the DMV one? Uh... You fill all these forms. You ever feel like you've got your forms? Oh, that same. Okay. Uh, um, what What did um, <laughs> What did John? It could be either John. This one, Johnny Rotten or John Lydon, say um, when he burped after eating a taco. Have I got the feeling you've been defeated? Your food's been repeated. Oh. What? <laughs> What did um? What here's one for you. Here's one for you, Pete. What did Johnny Rotten say when um, the U- United Kingdom did not advance in the World Cup? Topical. This one's topical because the World Cup's coming up this year. Soccer. Ever feel like you've been defeated? There you go. Yeah. What did Johnny Rotten say when he um, turned up the thermostat at his house? Have I get the feeling you've been hated? <laughs> That's right. <yeah. laughs> what did Johnny uh, Rotten say when he had a conversation 
um, with an American about the um, about the British's lack of success in the revolutionary American Revolution. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? <laughs> retreated. Retreated. Okay. Yeah. What did Johnny Rotten say when? No, man, he, you gotta get some um, punk ones in here. <laughs> Yeah. What did Johnny Rotten say? What did say? Rick to Life say when? <laughs> Welcome to Doc Still Death, the podcast where all punks are talking about punk documentaries, and sometimes it's the podcast where all punks torture themselves with a television show about punk. My name is Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Zetlin. I'm Matt. That's all, that's all I have time for today. He's, <laughs> he's, he's too busy masticating popcorn. Yes. Uh, so this yeah, is question be heavily, for our DTD heads. How do you eat popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, people, all right. We've gone on a journey. We've truly gone on a journey here. If, you, if you're jumping in for the first time with this episode, that's a wild way to listen to podcasts. But <laughs> we usually cover punk documentaries we decided hey there is an amazing tv show about the punk band the sex pistols maybe just maybe we should watch every single episode and do an episode on each track FYI, that's what they call the episodes these are tracks is this our biggest failure or is this our biggest accomplishment wow well, we haven't done it yet, so it's hard to tell. I mean, I feel like I've already done it. Yeah. I mean, Here's my question. <laughs> I, want, I want one word from each of you to describe the, the, the show overall. So we're, we're going to get into each episode. Yep. We're going to play some games. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> yep. We're going we're gonna to celebrate at the altar. Yep. But I just, let's just kick it off with one word that sums up the experience I got uh, one. Watching all six. Okay, go that for it. That sums up my experience personally watching Pistol. Not, not, more about the show, what your experience of the show. What but was, can what is I the separate show? my experience from the show experience, Matt? Um, in, an, in an ideal world, yes. In an, in, oh, in, in, in the real <laughs> Jeff, world, he's no. directing again. Jeff, Here he's we go. Again. Oh, no. He's got he's his beret on. Oh, God. Uh, my word? Uh, pointless. Ooh, yeah. Pointed sharp. is my word. That's a, that's a sharp word. Yeah. Um, Pete, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say felt tiring. So you're going to say tiring, not felt tiring, because that's two words. Yes. Tiring. Go- tiring. Interesting. Matthew? It's interesting. I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I'm, Is that? Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, neither of you chose interesting. Also, I'm coming around on it. That's five words. Just want to let you know, unless you're finding some way to merge them, like forget about it. <laughs> I was going to go with singular. Sensation. I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to land on it's essential. 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 I. I think I might have come around on this oh, show. Yeah. No way. Hold on, Pete. All right. What, Hold do you on, Pete. Just... If I can, I just want you to give just one word to sum up your experience <laughs> with being friends with Matthew Morehead. <laughs> Hold on. I've got my answer. <laughs> Difficult? 
Essential. <laughs> yeah, essential. Is, oh, how sweet. Nicest guy at hardcore. Yeah, wrong. No, no. Yeah. It's, here's what is interesting. Yeah, interesting <laughs> is definitely the best summary of a friendship with Matt. <laughs> right, Matt, cool. do you, Matt, do you want to kick it off and just get on that soapbox and tell us why? Please. Essential? That, that's that's got to come... Oh no! We gotta oh no! This is gonna be a four-episode, one episode. I know it. Because, We're going long because I'm not saying it's good. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying it's 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 watchable, enjoyable, um, <laughs> or a, any of these things. But essential. But essential. So. I feel like we're going to need a definition of essential, much like yeah, the definition I'm trying, of grudge, like, because I'm going to feel like it's not what we're expecting in this word. As so, you're saying yeah. this, I'm trying to, to equate it to like a band where there's like essential listening, but maybe it's not mm. good. Right. Well, okay. So, the I can't think of a musical equivalent. Or you know, anal- like, you know, analogy. Um, but maybe a, a, a movie reference point here would be the room. Like, in, in, in not in it's like kind of auteur, weird, bizarre auteur esque qualities, but in the sense of like it is so bad, but something comes through which is so compelling. And there, it's like the weird auteur vision of the what's his name, Jeff? Uh, oh, I'm blanking. Oh, Tommy Wiseau. Oh, wow. Tell me why it's like it's his like it's 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 stripped of all of the bizarre um, kind of affectations that get filtered through like a studio system and it's just this pure vision of uh, of a straight up weirdo where this is gross badly done and confusing and funny unintentionally in many of the same ways as the room but there it comes through. I think a vision of punk that is so delusional, but also so cutting in the way where whenever you watch the room, the joke, part of the joke of the room is, and I'm thinking of this for the first time, so you know it must be gold. Um, <laughs> this is the I'm best theories are the ones that are come up with no, the, on the, the spot. The theory isn't the theory about the quality of the sh- of the, the essentialness of the show isn't new, but the room metaphor. So sure. When you laugh at the room, you're like, "Ha ha, he's funny. He doesn't know what he's doing." And it's a way, <clears throat> it's a way to elevate. It's a distancing effect, right? Like part of the part of the laugh is if I was in his position, I would make something better, right? And so, but, but when you're laughing at him for making this bad movie, you're feeling elevated. But there's this underside of insecurity that's built into that laugh, right? That's why film geeks are so much more into the room than other people. Right, like normal people have no, tr- like they, they don't care about the room. Right, people who sure. care about the arts care about the room, and but, I think this ha- this ahead, has punk. You know, this is the last thing I'll say there. This has like this is like the punk equivalent of it, where it's like it's almost like some weird cautionary tale, half cautionary tale, half like overdone schmaltziness. It's eh, but it makes me laugh, but then it's also kind of like, you know, I don't know that it, I laughed at all, but yeah, that's so, did I laugh at all of this? I mean. About how ridiculous, maybe, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I uh, LOL'd. So, are you saying it's essential in the viewing of Danny Boyle or for Sex Pistols? For punks. <laughs> okay, so I, th- I think this is this is the punks the room where f- film and, and and video nerds have the room. Punks should take on this show. <laughs> as, in the you same don't way. think SLC like, Punk is that? 
Ooh, ouch. I, well, you know what? Because, um, no, I mean, this also could get into the conversation of ironic film viewing or ironic TV viewing, which mm. is like in, in the room is a, inch, is, a, is, a, is a very fine line for me because I don't really like ironic watching. Yeah. Uh, 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 and the room... Can sometimes like I I can't watch I I have no interest in watching it as much as other people who are like yeah. built a cult around it. It's a one time watch. Yes, uh, but it's an essential. And maybe watch. the one little scene of when he goes hi doggy. That's really all I need to watch is just the hi doggy part because it's so oh, wild in a different way. And and I agree with you. The difference that can sometimes that it is not the ironic version to me is that. The room is delusional in the way, not to bring to my own other podcast, but like a canon film can sometimes be where it's like, oh, they thought that was the right way to hit that. And there's a commitment to it. And it's amazing that they pulled it off. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, it, 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 but it also does walk the fine line because I'm like, a lot of people aren't watching it for that reason. Person, right. and I don't know if I. I mean, I I get what you're saying. I can see that connection. I just don't know. Sorry, I got distracted by my wife walking around in the dark with a flashlight outside of my window. Um, I don't know if I think in those terms with this because, like Pete said, I'm not sure I LOL'd in a uh, mm. high doggy sort of way. Um, right. I'm. I hear. I. I I'm I, with we'll, you. We'll get through it. I'm with you, and I. But again, like even that description, I am like, wait, isn't that SLC Punk to me in that version? Um, or my version, I guess, is uh, I brought it up in relation to a future uh, doc we will be watching, but the movie Rockstar, like, mm. is so sincere in a weird way. And is and doesn't seem to be aware, like or but there are times where I'm like, wait, are you aware or are you not aware? Are you doing a kind of jokey parody, or is this so sincere? And it's like, Rockstar has the same, and I get a joy out of Rockstar that I didn't get out of Pistol, but has kind of the same, some of the same Venn diagram overlap where, you know, it's essentially a retelling of the uh, Rob Halford, Tim Ripper, Owen story. Uh, but has so many cliche rock biopic style moves in it that and but it it feels like they don't realize that they're so poorly done and it right. still is weirdly enjoyable to watch and I and that's a movie though at the same time like I guess like I question when I'm watching it like how I'm watching it because I've watched Rockstar like 15 times like 20 times like i well, watch this, it a lot if it's on but also again one, you're like oh, sorry, how did sorry. you not realize that your ending is that a guy from metal creates grunge is <laughs> a valid ending to a movie um that ain't wrong. much like a lot of the, the uh, much like a lot of the ending parts of these last two episodes not to jump into the episodes but as like almost a Let's precursor to talking about this these two actual episodes there's so many moves of this. I was like, "Really? You think that's 
you're doing it because that's exactly how this should end. But you don't see it. And, and again, I was holding out hope the whole time for the same conversation we've had with every episode that they're going to turn it on its head somehow. <laughs> I think this I think it does get turned on its head. I don't think it's how I was hoping it would get turned on its head. I would love to hear there, how you think. It yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> but there, I think there is some like but that's what I think. I think the ending of it kind of validates the show, not as a show that represents punk or hardcore in any way that I am completely comfortable with. But it, it has like a theory of it ultimately does have, I think, a theory of punk and hardcore or punk of punk. No hardcore at no all hardcore. in this. Yeah, no hardcore. All punk, no hardcore. Um, <laughs> but uh, if we had but, shirts, but, we'd be currently <laughs> making a tea public all punk, no hardcore. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, and then I'd but, be like, I'm not wearing that. I'm not all punk. I'm a hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think we should let's, let's get to the episodes in turn. But I did. Okay, so I want to get to the episodes. I also want to give one one a major uh, moment of enlightenment that, I, or it's not enlightenment, but something that occurred to me or came to me that shocked me, and again gave me gave me reason to think this show, um, for different reasons, where it, than where it ultimately lands. But going into episode five, I was like, "Holy shit!" What? <laughs> I, so, did you, when did did you watch these this weekend? I watched them again an hour ago after watching uh, them on the bike. Yeah. yeah so again, oh, okay. to Pete, uh, as Pete said, this is the second round of Matt watching episode track five and six because he couldn't stop sh- himself when we recorded four. He mm-hmm. couldn't stop. And he told us and we were Listen, like, what are you thinking? Matt has also this, spent a weekend bender at home. Yeah. Puffing paint. Uh, bachelor <laughs> partying alone. it up with him and some paint cans. <laughs> so there could be some soul no, searching. Yeah. There could Pete. be some soul searching that's happening that he's Matt, yeah, Pete, Matt connecting. is coming out of two weeks of soul searching <laughs> about what is metal, what is hardcore, <laughs> what is grudge, who am I in the world, what is Sound and Fury Music Festival that has led into a bachelor weekend where he's huffed paint painting rooms alone and re-watching track five and six so maybe i now understand more than ever what matt's was, version of listen, there was a moment means. there was a moment where he was just like in uh, some sort of dream state and he he crouched under his kitchen table and he was reliving the uh the scene with chrissy hind and saying that that's while all the shit is going oh, crazy yeah that's, okay that scene <laughs> that is the best scene, and it is also a, first of all, I just like to say to both of you guys, you're wrong. It's Second thing, terrible I would say is, scene. It is terrible. I you did not laugh out loud at that scene. I was rolling my you, eyes. Yes or no? When you yes said, or no? When you did were like, you laugh oh, I laughed out loud. Did you laugh out first, loud? When you said you laughed out loud. Which scene are you talking about? Which scene are we talking about? You deserve you deserve more. When you, you deserve <laughs> so much more. There is when, there is like a crazy fight going on in I don't know track five track, track five. five and. Chrissy and Jonesy five, end up under Nancy. a table, and then, and it's the smallest table in human history. <laughs> and they somehow are able to have like this calm discussion deep. and deep discussion about why it never made sense for her to be in the Sex Pistols. She was too good for it. But, but I wanted to be in the Sex Pistols. <laughs> I also want to just throw in at this point, and as an addendum, and I told this to Pete before, and I told it to Matt over text that in in opposition. It wasn't in chosen opposition to Matt, but in opposition to Matt going on a bender of watching these multiple times 
I chose for the first time to not take any notes <laughs> mm-hmm. and only watch them just as I was watching a real TV show that I don't plan on talking in mm-hmm. way too precise detail about because I wanted to almost see if I could take it in and what it felt like without the mm. kind of uh, knowing I was going to still talk about it in the back of my head, but without the the kind of you know critical eye. Um, and I do stand behind when I texted, I believe I said something like, I think this actually makes less sense without well, the last the episode is hard. Yeah. The last episode is all over the place. Yeah. I took the fact of you not taking notes was that, uh, you've given up on docs till death. So yeah, Matt- yeah. I mean, I, I'm turning my back on you and then you guys can write a stabbed in the back song about me fucking <laughs> destroying the DTD crew. Uh, I mean, at, at this point, if you've already listened to the Minutemen episode and if you haven't, I encourage you to go back you can already feel the tension that you can cut with a knife <laughs> i have not Matt. even listened to that episode oh, i'm psyched to hear me losing it's it so good <laughs> um so matt i did not laugh out loud it was more like a gag i think i was like oh why this is a terrible scene just as good just as good <laughs> equal okay, so but here, and here, a current the, yeah go ahead so the realization i had wasn't so i watched the five and six right after we recorded Three and four. As we should say, track five is Sid and Nancy. Track, track six is who killed Bambi. Right. So Just as a right general after, overview, too, track five is, hey, we got Nancy Spongin. Sid's in the band. Track six is, hey, we're going to destroy the bands. Let's make the worst movie that's ever existed, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. <laughs> but it was the U- it's the U.S. tour. And, yeah. I think and the, U.S., and the U.S. tour. It. Yes, we did call them. We, yeah. well, we called call. five and six. On, I think an episode, and when we were doing our episode of track one, we were trying to figure out what the episodes would be, or we did at some point yes. earlier. In, and I think and it might have been Pete that predicted a better ending than this fucking show. I believe Pete <laughs> might have been the one who said that it would be, you ever feel like you've been cheated, like that line, <laughs> and then it would pull back. And it would be Danny Boyle saying, cut. <laughs> and then everyone looks at the camera and says, do you ever feel like you've been, been cheated? <laughs> that would have been the best, I believe obviously. that was a Zetlin prediction because that was from the episode where yes. Pete was like, fuck it. Nicest guy in hardcore title out the window. I'm going to get Randy. Uh, it, it's the best when DTD gets there, when Pete decides, like, my entire persona is done. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. That part did almost happen, though. That part almost did happen. Yeah. Because the end of that, of that Hold last... Hold on, we got to get... With that get record scratch heads? Well, there was that. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Had they just so done good. that and so then... Good. So good. Such a smart move. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but it was so good. <laughs> if they had just done that and then done the the bollocks fireworks then yeah i would have felt validated oh my god the fireworks it's like they found wait hold on can we yeah, i know but it's just hard because when it comes to flowing I'm back, my shit sorry go on by the way no, what brand my, of paint I'm, uh were you painting with matt i just want to know for getting okay bear it really gets you in the mood everyone if you want to huff some bear paint while you watch track five and six Hold on. Really so, nice. Really so nice. I, I really, we have so many things on the table already. And let me say this. When we did um, three and four, I was, I was starting to get back into the bike after the broken leg. And on the, tread, on the bike, the, the stationary bike, I watched episodes five and six because I had nothing else that I wanted to watch. And I was like, let me watch it now. I thought we'd record these episodes earlier. It got so far along. I just, again, had I had to jump to, in because... It's not how you in, uh, your intonation wasn't this, but I love picturing you going. 
and I got on that bike. And there was, there was <laughs> nothing else. There was nothing else I wanted to watch. <laughs> Just yeah, like there wasn't real boner for track five and six. No, I, I, I really don't like TV and movies all that much. Um, as and as like, Matt likes to remind us all the time. Yeah, but I'm like, got these. These are like obligations. Let me do. Let me do these. So okay. So I did that. But then it was at some point between obviously when we did three and four and when we're doing five and six today. Malini and I were looking for a new TV show to watch together in the evening, and we realized we'd watched the first season of Westworld when it came out, and we hadn't watched any additional seasons. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we said, let's give it a try. We, watched the first, we started watching the first episode of season two, and I saw a, a lady on the show, and I'm like, who is this? And you know when you see someone in a movie, and you're like, I know this person. It's not like... It's, this is not someone who I've seen in other movies. This is someone who is like I've seen in real life or is like my favorite character in some other movie, but I cannot place her. And it's like a very disorienting feeling. So after a little, a few minutes of internet sleuthing, I realized that this fembot robot, like, um, you know, like the sexy kind of orientation robot in uh, Westworld is the woman who plays... Um, oh my god what's her name Vivian Westwood Vivian Westwood yeah is, 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 I'm looking at the, her real name right now so Vivian Westwood went out of my head mm-hmm. okay so it's I'm like oh so the reason she seems so familiar to me is because I've been watching her every week and we've been talking about her like Intimately. ad <laughs> yeah but what I also realized at that moment okay so let me actually take a step back oh and my think god. She's she's Vivian Westwood in the show. Uh-huh. She's married to Malcolm McLaren. We've talked in previous episodes about their relationship, who's the evil mastermind, mm. so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. And we just talk about like we talked a lot about is how is this show even trying to portray Malcolm McLaren? Is it really is it is it doing the no he was the mastermind of the band? And he did a great job putting them together. He is the mastermind, but he's just like, like abject narcissist, or he's a, he's a small man with a big ego. You know, it was very unclear in previous episodes. Sidebar closed, and then back to the main point. When I Footnote. looked at up, when I looked up this woman uh, from Westworld to see how, where I knew her, her from, her name is Tallulah Riley. Mm-hmm. I also discovered. She's married to Elon Musk oh. in the real world. Wait, before before Grimes. Oh, okay. So Elon Musk has like nine kids. Yeah. This maniac, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and a, a lot of them. I, no, I don't think I don't think Tallulah Riley is the one where he's got a lot of kids with. But again, in any event, ex-wife. Ex-wife of that S- turd. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So so what? Your- at that moment, it felt casting. like some like. Yeah, some metatextual commentary going on here about Malcolm McLaren. You choose the wife of the biggest asshole in the world um, contemporaneously to play the wife of the biggest asshole in the show. And I was like, now that's interesting. That is interesting. Can I tell you something (laughs) more interesting? Hold on. I have a hurry on for two seconds. Uh, Now that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What's even maybe more interesting is that they were married, divorced, and then married again and divorced again. Yes. That is wild. It's all interesting. That's very you're interesting. Not, you're not wrong, and it is interesting. Do you, th- do you have the time? 
have the time to listen, to listen to, to me explain my thoughts. Mm. Okay. Do you have that time to, to listen, listen to me, to me explain? Um, <laughs> oh my god, Punk Rock Factory? Uh, <laughs> we're a pop punk band covering a pop punk band in pop punk form. Um, shall, we, shall we take a moment of silence for No Effects' announcement? Oh, uh, yeah. That's not No Effects, bro. I know, I know, but now we're just, but we're, this is just talking about pop punk in general. We just got oh, pop punk. Yeah. We're in pop punk yeah. moment. R.I.P. N O F X, not yet, but soon enough. R I P E V E N T U A L L Y, N O F X. What I was going to ask is, I agree that that is interesting. Yeah, I agree that for someone who doesn't really like television or movies, you're finding a great way to introduce metatextual <laughs> reading of these things uh, as you also watch a lot of TVs and movies. Um, but... Uh, I hated every minute of it. Yeah, that's the best way to live is to just keep doing things you hate. But, um, so, do you truly think that that was stunt casting in a John Waters... Like hiring, you know, bringing like Patty Hurston, et cetera, like style of casting, or is it just a coincidence? I wouldn't say it's Patty Hurst. Um, I would think it's 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 very likely a coincidence um, because I don't think a lot of I don't imagine. The majority, or to bring it to Pistol, is it stunt casting in the same way as using Maisie? What's her name? From Game no, of Thrones, being like a uh, being like surprised she's naked. I thought you were going to go in a different. Re- I thought you were going to go a different reference. It was going to be from Episode Six when track the six, Malcolm man. McLaren Track Six when the Malcolm McLaren character says, "Hey, we're going to make this movie the great rock and roll swindle, and we're going to have a cameo and a musical um, uh, um, guest appearance from this British train robber who just got out of jail." Right. So. That was like uh, that was um, an attempt to play on the kind of sensationalism of like that McLaren wanted for the Sex Pistols to tie in this like sensational rebel so on and so forth guy right like to bring him in. But isn't that, that something that, that happened? That did happen, right? So that if that kind of stunt casting that actually happened. That was referenced by the Malcolm McLaren character in the movie. Yeah, that, is I imagine if at if it is stunt casting, the kind of stunt casting that it was uh, Tula Riley to play Vivian Westwood, based on the sort of like nexus of the Malcolm McLaren, um, uh, Elon Musk kind of uh, comparison. Do you think? I don't think it's intentional though. I just thought it was very interesting. Okay, well then there you go. That's Ult- ultimately, 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 I don't think it was intentional. But, like, I don't think it was an intentional move by the production team or the director. Nevertheless, it was a move they made. So the significance of it, like, you know, like all the metatextual significance comes in. You can't control it. So I think it's there for discussion and dissection. It is that I agree with that. But I also think that level is adding on a layer of wanting to make it more interesting than it maybe is. <laughs> right, I feel yeah. like maybe she more got hired because she was in Westworld. Um, so I so it doesn't make it interesting in the sense I agree I I, I th- don't, don't when I say it's interesting 
I don't think it makes the show deeper. I think it makes the lack of clarity for what the people are producing even more less clear or more muddled, right? So, like, I'm not saying, like, ooh, they were geniuses to make this casting. I'm like, I don't think they actually saw that echo or that chime between the real world and the casting decision. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry, the casting decision and the thing. And their inability to see how those things line up speaks to a certain kind of weird... Cluelessness. Um, but in a cluelessness that's, like, so on the nose. Right. You know, where it's just like, that's a crazy coincidence, yeah, <laughs> I feel like no, like yeah, I, I don't little, know. I it's mean, a little it's reaching a little, little bit. Completely. Yeah, yes, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is how people get into Illuminati and QAnon. It's like, no, oh saying- well, she was on the sidewalk at four or five in the movie at four or five. Someone else was on the sidewalk. I was like, mm, okay. No, so that's not fair because the QAnon stuff. I mean, I guess oh, if Matt's, I'm just Matt's saying, about to but, offend, no, but if uh, you're looking at QAnon. a textual analysis, if at least two people in the DTD crew have the same thought, it's just you have to at least acknowledge it. I can acknowledge, it, but with the, the the whole QAnon thing is to look for oh, secret connections that are being hidden from you, or to pre- present like this idea or that hidden in plain sight, mm. much plain like sight. the ex-wife. <laughs> What I'm saying is it's a coincidence. Sure. That's, but, but, but that you can read something into the coincidence like as, as emblematic of the way that these – as the people – things that they did not see that you could imagine one would be able – it's like, like you didn't it's, – it's less QAnon, more like – Jungian archetype. <laughs> yeah. You, you didn't think you – I mean even – but even lower to that, be like, was it a good decision to send your kid out in the red baseball cap the first, you know, on the 4th of July? <laughs> you know, like, what are you thinking here? Like, anyone wearing a red baseball cap, it's just like, you have to know the references here. Right. And, and the fact that you might not is actually maybe worse than you knowing it and intentionally sending your kid out in a red baseball cap. I'll hat. give you for that. I, I, I'll give Thank you for you. that. You're welcome. <laughs> I just, Thank you, but, but Pete. I mean, sure. I, I guess I can understand that. Uh, but I still am not sure that correlation connects with the show. Or to essential, yeah. Yes, I'm still... <laughs> or to a, Oh, no, we're not, we're not there. Oh, we're not even oh, there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> That's not the essential this thing. This is definitely a four-part episode. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about five. Yeah, <laughs> if you wanna, I do. If you wanna? Well, can okay. I say this for the, my overview? My my overview of them, the both of them, is I was amazed a little bit that for both track five and six, uh, two things. One that we would talk a lot about how it was amazing how slow it was taking the rest of the story like where we were like oh why would you drag yes. out what could be a two-hour movie into like you know essentially six hours and like spend like an entire episode on you know essentially the body's story um uh and then the minute and and the only thing i could give is maybe because like that's the stuff maybe more people know but the minute sid vicious shows up and the minute nancy shows up it was like a race to the finish because yes, and it felt fair. like they were like, oh, fuck. We set up like 20 stories 
And at one point, they were like, are we ever going to be able to resolve if Jonesy can read or not? <laughs> that was for you, Pete. Uh, <laughs> the you. answer is no. Thank they'll you. never get to that. But there was like all these hanging chads um, of storylines. <laughs> but be- it was just like all of a sudden, it was like two episodes of Rush, Rush, Rush. And it felt like it was like, I gave you a break from the Danny Boyleisms. The Danny Boyle aesthetic. I maybe even chilled it out a bit. On five. On 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 half of five. Yeah. And then started kicking and then really six was just like, and I'm gonna end on a bang. <laughs> like it's got you're gonna get a boil bang. It's gonna be nothing but like like crazy bullshit moves. Nonstop editing. Um and it it ended up that's why I got to pointless, I just have to say, like as the, like the over arcing like uh, vibe of the last two episodes because with all that rushing it made me realize i was like well none of this like none of these stories really mattered that much like no none of them uh, especially like the chrissy hind thing which we would always say like this is actually the most interesting thing that's happened in the first four episodes and then it just kind of resolves in the oddest ways and the most cliche ways ever. Uh, uh, not even getting into the very end of the whole show. But that was like my big... I was just like, wow. It was like, and, and so then it ended up where I was like... Even, and I think even with that rushing, they were doing something again that we kept pointing out where it would be like, here's the taste of an interesting theme. Fuck it. We gave you a taste. Let's move on to the next thing. Like... Oh my God! Vivian Westwood's going to acknowledge that, like they're going to eat them alive with Sids. They just want to destroy him. Like this is not what we signed up for. Eh, I'm not going to bring it up really again. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> like it was a lot of that. Like it was a lot of like here's a start of a start of either a resolution or like a new like maybe we're going to get to that point that we were all hoping of like oh maybe the that it's this is all going to get turned on its head and we're going to realize. That it was bullshit, whatever it is. And they just never really get there because there's just so much going on. <laughs> that, that, that like, theme that was, like, essential in, like, a couple of the episodes, which is, like, the art, like, kind of, like, like, the, like you know, who's controlling this? Is it artificial? Uh, is, it, is it, like, you know, all the Malcolm McLaren questions just kind of evaporate. Yeah. They just, it just don't, don't matter. Um and that that scene, I mean, I thought and I thought they were going to lean into it because that scene that you just referenced at the beginning of five, where their pistols are playing, and it cuts to Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren in the audience, and they're like, "Oh, they're going to eat Sid alive," and at the same time, John Lydon is on stage, kind of making fun of Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood mm-hmm. and their kind of like marketing kind of tactics. I mean, I guess you can say. The last that's set up for the last episode, which is like Malcolm McLaren trying to like separate um, uh, Johnny Lydon from the rest of them, you know, trying to break them off. But none of the Sid Vicious stuff f- comes through. It's just I, I don't know. It's just like a we. It's it's like because yeah, it's just a weird. I don't have nothing else to say. It's just yeah, the themes are just like it's all tossed in a, in, in a well because I think especially garbage bag. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's like my heart's been tossed in a fucking blender. 
<laughs> I, I, and I you didn't know, feel like I was in a beautiful oblivion. Oh. Yet. Um, I was going to say you? it was a beautiful oblivion. It was uh, for Mondays, you? Oh, that's nice. Mm, well, Mon- you know, my, uh, it's almost Monday, and I'm through with you. <laughs> I say that to Pistol. <laughs> well, because I, – yeah, what are we going to say, Pete? I, I was going to say that it did – I think, Jeff, what you were saying, it's like it does feel very fast-paced. And they do start – Build. I don't think it feels fast paced. Let me just say that I don't think. I felt like said. these two it actually felt so fucking slow. I felt like these two. Maybe it was, I was going back and forth. Like, is it because I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and these weren't? They weren't great, but they seemed yeah. faster than the others. Even though probably like time wise, they're longer than the other ones. Because there was, yeah, it's like they're trying to get to the end. I felt like you know the, them going on tour wasn't really interesting, but at least like. There was, it wasn't just this one long story, but they do still drop in all these pieces. Like, I think track five starts out like, all right, Sid's joined the band. He doesn't know how to play bass, so then that is like, but we don't really figure out how he. There's gets like not there. knowing how to play bass, and then there's like how Sid is not knowing how to play bass. <laughs> like, yeah. watching they're just him unplugging play him? a thumb up. Play, like I was like, even my kid knows what to do with the bass. Like. <laughs> Like, you've got to work hard to not be able to play the bass in that way. Sorry, go on. No, no, and, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, I think they were trying to fit a lot in, but, um, I mean, you can already, I feel like in track four and three, you already started seeing some of the, the pieces breaking apart in, in terms of the band, but it, you really start seeing it in track five. Um, Why I think it maybe also felt fast, even though, again, it feels like oddly like you're watching molasses that is also fast-moving molasses. Like, it's just so much information almost and truncated information. Like, it even, like, you know, we're introduced to Sid. And I guess in theory you could just be like, it's the heroine. But, like, he becomes adult quick. Like, there's even a weirdness where you're like, he's not that stupid. Mm. Like, and then he gets he's really not that stupid. strung out. Yeah. It's and like, it's not it, even that he's reached total strung out yet. Like, he all of a sudden is just like, Davey, Davey. <laughs> like, he, but, like, maybe it feels like two scenes before with him, he'd be like, hello, John, where's your dad? Where's your mom? Like, you, like, in, it, in, I get, I think, I wonder if part of it is, like, if anything, it, because it, it, these f- last two tracks also kept making me go back to that question we had of like, who is this for? And it's for no one. But these two feel more At all. for people who had already seen Sid and Nancy, people who maybe but had why? a familiarity. Then why would you watch this? I don't know. Like, I'm not talking about Sid why anyone would watch something. I mean, why <laughs> would we watch it? Because people get sucked into watching any dumb thing about punk. That's the whole point of our podcast. No, but I'm saying maybe we rephrase that question, which is if you – the people are making it – who are making this, they're saying, okay, we're, this is going to be – we're like kind of trying to lock in on a viewer who's familiar with Sid and Nancy the movie already. What are they thinking that they're presenting? Let's not even say new? Sid and Nancy the movie. I'll say like if someone's like, what do you – to a layman, what do you know about the, the Sex Pistols? They'd be like, oh, they got this bass player who was like, you know, killed his girlfriend – like like that kind of base level, like that sensational end of Sex Pistols stuff, and right. that he's an like iconic visual in mm-hmm. the God Save the Queen video, et cetera. 
So like, so it's like, do they think that there's an element that's like they can kind of get through that? But even that, I agree with it because I was just like, well, but you don't like. I Nancy's introduction is very. It's just like here's Nancy. She's a fucking idiot from America, oh, so and we, it's quick and quick and quick. Um, well, you. I mean, you've got. I think track five was. It was less than an hour, but if uh-huh. you think of all the things that happened in less than an hour, it's like you've got Sid joins the band. You've got Nancy shows up. They there's a. Uh, the whole deal with the seven inch that, or the the forty five and wanting to be called no futures. It's God save the queen. Then they're like, they go to drop from uh, a label. They got dropped from a label. They go to their. Uh, they go to Johnny's mom's house. They go to Jones's dad's uh, stepdad's house. <laughs> right, they uh, then Sid the wants keeper, Nancy. The whole get, get them get get Nancy to go overseas. Yes, that, well, and then Nancy. Yes, <laughs> then they meet with Richard Branson. Then they then Sid's in the hospital. He's overdosing. Chrissy's there. Then they're figuring out how to get rid yeah, of Nancy. All of a sudden, apparently, Chrissy Hine and Sid Vicious. Yeah, then are they're friends. best friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then they're like making the that charts. Sucks. That just yeah. sucked. How they, they use her as a device like that. Yeah. Like, not that like it was just lazy. And then they're Sorry, playing on like, a boat. You know, like there's a lot Nancy of stuff that happens. And and Chrissy have. Oh a yeah, then non, they're best friends. Yeah, have a non Becadol test passing passing conversation because now they're best friends. Oh, and Nancy has sex with with Jones. And Nancy has sex with Jonesy. <laughs> so it's and like we, a lot of stuff in And maybe the only thing minutes. that doesn't happen in track five is find out if Jonesy ever learns how to read a little bit. <laughs> like, just pick up a couple phonics here or there. They dropped that shit. Yeah, they, they're yeah. like, you know what? This doesn't have any through line. It's like, well, none, none of the rest does either. They almost thought that uh, his dad, uh, you know, had no through line, too, until all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's bring him back. Remind us that he has these issues with his dad. Like, well, they only, they only tease the not being able to read because when uh when johnny rotten pulled off the biscuits it said biscuits on it but he didn't know what was in there until he opened it yeah exactly <laughs> but you really exactly. had to that's like a q and on math thing yeah you exactly really deep. that might be the most important part of the entire show <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i agree like i like you listing that out is insane like because especially if you think about Yes, a lot happened, but like with that bodies episode again, you're like most of it is about this other person, <laughs> like story, slowly developing and giving us information, and she's not even a part of the Sex pistol. She's part of the story behind one of the songs, um, uh, and yeah, that's it. Be and. Yeah, and, and, and within that short time, they're also trying to uh, do what they did for Johnny of giving us a new layer of... I think that, I think that is what one of the goals of Pistol was to the, to the production people, was to give a new layer of sympathy to these characters that if we know them before, we have a one-sided view of them. So, like, with mm. Nancy giving her speech that was supposed to be heartfelt, but I kind of was zoning out her talking to Chrissy. <laughs> like, that made Chrissy Hine be like, oh, I don't hate her. I, th- I feel sympathy for her. Like, I feel empathy for her. Okay. Like, that's supposed Does to be she, for though? us. Is that the point of that? Because I think that's the, the point m- of that. But the next morning is the morning when Chris, Chris like, at some point they're like, um, isn't the next morning when Chrissy is like, get her the fuck out of here? 
no, the next doesn't isn't it the next morning she goes, No, I made a mistake. Yeah, well she she calls she calls them because Nancy's shown up. Yeah. And it was like, get her out of here. And then they have the discussion. Then they have the heart to heart. And then they show up at the house. <laughs> she blows and she's up like, her toilet. <laughs> that was, okay, I might have laughed at that. I legitimately <laughs> laughed at that. That was the closest to the, like, yeah. what is going on in this show? <laughs> Watching Chrissy Hine go like, ooh, stinky. Then I think they show up at the you house. Hear a, you hear a fart in a dump, right? I just oh, want to verify. Yes. yes. Yeah, that, that a happened. A comical, yeah, like, that happened. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> It's like I wish they should have they should have done an over like a voiceover at that point. Like, yeah, that happened. Yeah. The record scratch is just a fart from Nancy Spongeon's yeah. butt. <laughs> so what happens after that? The next morning? Well, no, they show up at the house at night, and she's like, "Oh, she's fine. You know, it was a mistake." But they, I think, they still come in with drugs at that point. Yeah. And look at her. She past. says it's a mistake, and then they're just like, "Fuck it, we're doing it yeah. anyway." So she's ex- she's abs- uh, you know absolved herself from it because she's not part of the like we got to get her out sort of thing. So it's like but a she, redemption she, story for us. Uh, but she goes, see. she takes her to the airport anyway. So it's like she does want her gone. Yes. So it's confusing. And like when Nancy comes, when Nancy comes down the stairs and hugs her, she's not like, you know what? We shouldn't be sending you off. Right. Yeah, to, to another. So it's like she's 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 not. Is there she's something? not coming around on her? But you know what? None of that probably happens, so it doesn't even matter. Well, and that is also the other thing where you real like how much like it's it's frustrating because it's like we've talked about it where it's like years and years of the Sex Pistols thing is how much of this is bullshit created by Malcolm McLaren. And at the end of track five and six, you're still left with like, how much of this is bullshit? <laughs> like, it's just, the, it's just, so it's then again, just to me, another chapter in the same book. It's not yeah. a new take on it that I was hoping for because it continues on that path of like, maybe the story's bullshit. Maybe it's not with kind of everything. No, but it, like, it, yeah, but it, it didn't, it's like, but then it added new bullshit with like, with all of the, um, all the Chrissy Hine stuff. It's yes. like, it's like it's trying to take the story that you've heard a million times and make it and run it through an ER episode. Right. Yes. It's like it's like e- oh yeah. It's like is there also a weird? This is something I was realizing with this because you know we talked a little bit off air. I don't know the actress who played Nancy Spungen, but she definitely went for it with an accent. Um, she definitely went for like oh you guys <laughs> like definitely was <laughs> Edith Bunkery. But it uh, there. But also, and I don't. I, I I think because I do have the movie Sid and Nancy on my brain. I don't know. Like uh, for me, I do. Uh, I I feel like Chloe Webb as Nancy in Sid and Nancy is like kind of iconic. Like mm-hmm. in that playing of it, and and so it's like you. It's it's you know to the. Uh, the detriment of the actress playing Nancy Spungen in this one, like she kind of has to like live up to one of the few like iconic performances. Um, But also it's maybe a weird fault and maybe I don't, but like the, the casting of everyone, even the quote unquote, like ugly people is like too beautiful. 
I thought that. And especially I for Nan, like it was just like it you it's like it really felt like they're playing the part. And like I'm saying this in a very like just thinking of what this person is supposed to portray. Where like, you know, again, it's not just like about attractiveness, but it attractiveness in relation to being Nancy Sponge and where it can kind of uh, be another layer that takes you out and makes you really feel like this person is acting. Like has to act also like an ugly junkie. Uh because yeah. I get like I just think Chloe Webb was is also just such an interesting actress, and is like an interesting looking person in like the best way possible, much like Nancy was. But like even like like this the guy who plays Sid feels like it's like a lot of the actors feel like they're slumming it. Like it's CW yeah, it's CW, CW casting, <laughs> which is yeah. ah like and so it, it takes away it is it feels. Uh, it does start to feel, especially in track four, and especially once we're getting into the ugliness of heroin addiction, uh, the if it, it, it starts to legitimately feel distracting to the purpose of it, to the point of uh, going with the Vivian Westwood conversation we had. Like, was that the point? Like, were they like? Is there some? point that they were thinking of that in terms of the casting like it, it, that it's not just about if they're good or bad but that they kind of do have this like weird cw quality to it um uh uh yeah and so that ends up being like just like an extra layer um it's the schlockiness of 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 not being punk. i mean like it's the schlockiness of 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 someone who has heard punk records right but isn't it's just not punk you know it's like it's just so schlock I, I keep saying the same word but it's it's it it really is like a cw or an e show or an er or like hour-long drama mm-hmm. like with the with the kind of packaging certain packaging of punk right you know it's not like i don't think there's any i don't think there's any merit to casting really attractive people in roles as junkies you know right. i don't think there's well it's the um, same as like when you see a movie and you know they're trying to do a you know like a boston accent or a new york accent and they're just like over the top the whole time yes yeah i feel like this it's similar different but similar is like oh this is what this is what punk is going to be um and then it just misses misses the mark yeah, it's a, it uh, I, that it it it, get, it just it feels it feels scene study. It feels mm-hmm. like you got to do a specific accent versus do Nancy Spongin. Uh, 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 and again, I don't know if it's the fault of that. I think of uh, Sid and Nancy as my version of Nancy Spongin, and honestly, the state uh, sketch with Sid and Nancy. Um, uh, uh, where Carrie Kenny does basically an impression of Chloe Webb in Sid and Nancy. It's like, Sid! <laughs> it's just one of my favorite impressions she did. But, uh, and so, yeah, it, so, and, and I don't know, yeah, it's just like we, the, the transformation of Sid feels like it has to move super fast. Because of but it, the timeline, how much shit they're trying to shove in. Yeah. Well, and they spent so much time on Jones for the first four tracks mm-hmm. of, like, really developing him. So Sid has not really been around. It's also Steve Jones' story. So it's, like, 
obviously it's kind of. But he's absent from that. Yeah. He he's feels like he's gone epi- in these. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like from an episode, like in the last 20 minutes of episode, of track six, he comes back. Right. But for an episode and a half, he's yeah, gone. Yeah, right. And I, and, so and I do think because weird. they have so much going on, too, they end up with like. We want to maybe our maybe our point is to give you like some empathy for some of these to like to make them beyond the cartoon characters they have become beyond the cartoon character that Sid has become that anyone would look to Sid Vicious as like a hero or something, which is like the most ridiculous thing in the entire world versus just a cautionary tale of sadness and despair. Um, But um, it's often. Much like the Vivian Westwood versus Malcolm McLaren art versus marketing theme, where it can sometimes just be reduced to like a sentence and then moved on. There's a lot of that in this. There's a lot of just that one sentence. It's just like, I can't remember what it was, but it's just like, Sid needs to beat up people because he feels like lost within himself. Like you're just like, okay, I guess that's it. Move on. <laughs> it's weird. That's so weird because the, the show doesn't, play Sid Vicious as a junkie it plays him as a masochist yeah um, mm-hmm. and that's fucked up because like and maybe a virgin <laughs> totally yeah. I typed into Google many times in the past <laughs> day or two Sid Vicious virgin trying to find some article <laughs> because that felt like a Danny Boyle introduction of information where like is this real is this not where it's like Nancy realizes he might be a virgin because even that you're like really this CW actor guy like sort of thing, but you, but you didn't love the the unnecessary, uh, somewhat a gratuitous sex scene that lasted for maybe a full minute. <laughs> nice, long, and slow, man. That's what I love. <laughs> just also far enough away that you're just like, what am I exactly watching for this long? <laughs> it felt like like a, like a rel- like a prayer card from a funeral. I feel like they were. Yeah. If it was like a, it had like this weird like religious lighting. It was just so stupid. Like really dumb. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> episode five sucks. Does track five end with Chrissy Hines playing a song? Is that one that ends with her playing a song uh, towards I, the, the end? end? He Jones goes back to her at the end yep. and wants to play music with her. She says no. She's like, she no. needs to find her own voice. Yeah, and I think that's how it ends. Maybe she's. I if I'm remembering correctly. They show her then, like, kind of, like, in a reactive way, like, playing one of her originals. It's like, and it's but like, for me, every it w- kiss begins with K. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, I think, it's like so I think it's her song, Boy. I think. Mm. But it's just another interesting move because it's <laughs> not... I say this is not a huge, like, I don't know uh, the full Pretender's discography, but it's, like, it's supposed to be that moment of, like... You see, she finally decided she's going to make music for her own, and she comes up with this song we all know. But then it's like a song that she starts playing, and I'm like, I don't think I know this song. <laughs> like, it doesn't register. Because when they showed the second Pretender song right, you know in the that studio, one. I'm like, yeah, I know that one. Why wasn't yep. it that one? Why wouldn't it be the thing of like... Oh, wow, she walked away and wrote the song we all know. Like, if you're going to go for it, Go for it. Like, well, because that wouldn't be sticking true to the true story, Jeff. They want to be... You're right. Yeah. She wrote that her first uh, number one single. That was a little bit lesser, though. That's for the true pretender heads. Yes. Uh, um, 
And again, Pretender fans might know that song and tell me that I'm a moron on this. But like, it felt it's like I could see that it was the moment in a biopic where you're supposed to see the moment. You're supposed to, as an as a viewer, have a moment of recognition to the song, and there is no moment of recognition because it does kind of sound a little bit like could be one of her songs or could be Every Kiss Begins with K. <laughs> um, sort of jingle. It, it was... It was right, no, no, go. No, nope. My question nope. isn't about that, so go back. I'll come back It was... Around. I feel like that was to show so you... Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> exactly. She, she, oh, she made... She found her voice. I also think it was like their send-off to her be like, you were one of the two primary, like, kind of like, you know, whatever, like, I don't know what you what would you call it. You wouldn't call it like the main character, like, but she wasn't. Like it was just like. But it's a battle of if who, she is for some of these episodes. If it really is that yeah. her and her relationship are the story. You're right. It's like she. Yeah, but like I'm not. That's like too generous. I feel like it's like she chewed as much scene as Jones for like the first four and a half episodes, and then they're basically like unceremoniously kicking her to the curb. So I felt like they felt like they needed to not just like it's about her growth, but it's like. Okay, let's spotlight her because we're really not going to give her. Does she show up at all in the last? Oh yes. yeah, she shows up for that one scene in the last episode. Doesn't she show yeah. up for a recording? Yeah, he goes to one of her recording sessions where she's playing the hit. She's playing oh, the and hit, and then dun, 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 then there's the pocket. end part because yeah, she's, she's about to like pocket. play her, you know, big show, and then the guy's like, "It's sorry, the big show." Sorry about Sid. And they yeah. also Say though what? they had they use it though the big show as a a weird Whoa. bookend connector to Jonesy because she thinks she's gonna throw up. Yeah. So dumb. And, oh. and I was like, that oh. was the, that's the moment where when you were originally Matt discussing your whole theory about like this being essential and there being some moments that you could like laugh at. Like that was the moment that would be the closest that was funny because it was so, it was they so also don't follow through on it. Like it's like weirdly like I was waiting for Jonesy to come out and again, yeah he was supposed to be behind yes, the door. Or like something. go for it, have yeah. her go out to the alley and be like, "You were there for me, and now I'm here for you." But you they had to the, fit you so were the one left who had the in the goods. episode. But they what? They had so much more to fit in the yeah, episode. They probably they're like, like well, twenty more stories. They're like, "Well, Sid OD'd. We have to tell her that news right before she goes on. It won't work." Jonesy's looking at his fun with Dick and Jane book because he's trying <laughs> trying to do his my first reader. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, track six, who killed Bambi? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, uh, Pete, you want to give us the rundown of what happens in this episode? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is the U.S. tour. Um, You know, Sid is deep in in drug world. They've got some roadies that won't let him get drugs. There's a fight that we already talked about. Um, But then the roadie eventually gives him Valium uh, later on. Tensions are growing between Jones and Rotten. uh, And then they, you know... Johnny calls them the backing band, which Matt talked about. Um, and Malcolm's getting in between the whole dynamic. Then at some point, uh, Malcolm lets Jones and Cook fly out to San Francisco. Right. And Johnny and... Uh, yeah, because they've been in Texas for... 
Did he say that they've been in Texas for two weeks at one point? Yeah. Is that true? That seems crazy. Um, So those guys fly to San Francisco. And this starts off with Malcolm saying he wants to destroy the bands. Yes. Yeah. Um, He wants to destroy the band, but he wants to keep... And he's like, he's, they're worried about what happens to Jones. Like, there's some concern about Jones in, in that conversation, too, right? Yeah. Him and, him and Vivian express, like, we'll have to see what happens to him. But they're unconcerned with the rest. Yeah. I think, or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then they, they play their last show in San Francisco. Uh, Johnny tells Jones that he's got to pick a side, uh, which he thinks it is going to go with him. They've got a meeting. Turns out that everybody picks Malcolm. Um, they start doing the great rock and roll swindle. Um, Nancy is the the brains behind it with uh, Sid's song and lyrics, which is a great scene. Yeah, and then we do the whole Chelsea. <laughs> we do we do the whole Chelsea hotel um, with Nancy dies and Sid ODs. Mm. One scene. One scene, very quick. Yeah, if it sounds like Pete is glazing over this huge (laughs) part of their story that you think they would spend a little bit more time on, he's not. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that the American tour, Great Rock and Roll Swindle, and Chelsea Hotel are all one episode, when, again, Bodies was one entire episode (laughs) in its own right, is is pretty insane. Yeah. But the show, but it's not done there. No, then I mean, I think everybody sort of essentially has falling out. It's like, uh, Jones and Malcolm have a falling out um, because Jones is seeing Oh, right. That, I forgot about that. Yeah, Jones is seeing that like Malcolm never protected them and that the swindle is making them look like fools. Then Vivian and Malcolm have a falling out um, because she basically calls him out saying that, you know, he would, she says something like, he burns down the forest to find his way home. And then she said, like, what would... He says, what would you know? You're just the woman who does the sewing. Um... Then Jones does some drugs uh, with Sid. Then Johnny shows up and is like, "Is this is this a dream sequence?" Um, <laughs> yeah, inter- very interesting part. We'll probably get into which more. was hard to. That's the scene. Yeah, that makes that's the scene that makes it essential. And then it's like, and Jones is wearing a T-shirt that has boobs on it. It was like, what is this? Which is, but that's the shirt from that's a, the, that's the Grundy TV show. That's the famous yes, shirt he yes. wore. But honestly, I did. That's where I was like, "This has got to be a dream sequence because that shirt is so clean and fresh." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it can't be like uh, the shirt. It can't be real at this point. No, it's it's. And they it's, play the Christmas, and then they and they have the Christmas. Then day. there's a flashback. Yeah. Then there's a that. flashback that they had had a call back to. It was a call back to something they referenced before. And that's how they end it. And don't forget in there also, they shove in the pretenders are created. Oh, right. That also happens because <laughs> Sid ODs. Yeah. Uh, and that whole flashback or callback to the firefighter show, Johnny's like, again, the, the moral compass saying like, you know, yeah, he's, he's like out there like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like connecting with kids. It's like a whole different side that you've never seen. But they're like, let's fit this in in the last two minutes. Okay. And fireworks johnny ryan's the ebullition in the band you know he's the moral compass yes, he's yes. like he's got a little insert in there in there of god save the queen 45 but it has something to do with barcodes <laughs> and the working class so you don't really get it <laughs> but whatever <laughs> didn't didn't they show them playing that concert 
um, in like episode three I think, or four. Yeah, I think it was track three or four because he puts his face in the cake, and you're not yeah. really sure what's go- why that's happening. That wasn't five. But- okay. No, they showed it at the end of six. But I think I they thought actually they showed, showed that in footage. five. I don't remember from three or four of them showing the cake face. Hmm. Cake was not in three or f- was That's not in five. Definitely, not I thought five. it was definitely in five. I mean, Come again, on. you've watched these twice, so who am I? Yeah, uh, you would know. Yeah, you would know. You're the expert here. <laughs> no, I think it's when they like. I think it's you know when they're going on tour and they're like having the ups and uh, of tour like North London, tour, North of England. I think there's like a, a scene from that yeah. show, yeah, okay. but they don't go deep into it. Like you just see that. No. And then they don't touch upon that's it. A, that's a real lost move. That's a real, yes. see? Yes. See? Yeah. We planned it all out. <laughs> it all works out. Um, yeah. Which man. maybe was brilliant. Maybe. But uh, clearly yeah, didn't stick with us, so we don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's it essential. Brilliant doesn't mean, essential doesn't mean brilliant, let me tell you. So what thoughts do we have about this episode? This last, this ultimate episode? I, I hope they really hope they do a season two. <laughs> I don't know who that I we got to go back to that guy. I found some that. other review where the person said, I've watched this series four times through. Oh, wow. But now I also realize that might have just been bad. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, well, I actually want to have a quick what my thoughts on track six are. I want to have it start with a sidebar because it's not about the Sex Pistols per se, but about the lost storyline in there and it's a very quick sidebar but continues with the like i actually think the chrissy Hines story is the most intriguing because i that you know that song that is like oh that's an iconic pretender song i was like great now we're seeing that she's creating the pretender she's going to become the chrissy Hines that we know like i like that song well enough but also there is a bit that i'm like i don't it because it's like a show about punk and like punk, 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 punk. There's a, like my gut reaction was like, oh, that's a song I know. How does this song come out of her being in all that world? You know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm not seeing like I'm interested actually in the connective tissue. Like, because it doesn't even feel complete. It feels more connective yeah. tissue to the, you know, Talking Heads, Blondie television, CBGB's side of things. But that's not what is connected to this. And it's like such a leap in type of song and the way everyone's playing. And it has like, kind of like a country, like finger picking guitar part to it. And, and it just like feels partly why I was wondering is because it get, it just like, because it's like, Oh, that first song we saw her become Chrissy Hind wasn't iconic. And then here's this iconic song, but it comes in such a burst where you almost forgot she was a character that you're like, I got distracted because I also didn't care about the fucking show at that point. So I'm just sitting there like, what is the history of the pretenders? What did she think she was going for? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, she worked at, at, at sex. Right. And so she, she was connected there. Um, but I, that's why I think the over... Um, stating the nature of her relationship with Jones or the connection is rough because it 
forces you to ask yourself that question when she comes on and she like you're bum 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 I'm gonna make it. It's like that's not <laughs> that's not out of this. I mean, if anything, I feel like they almost put that Brian Ferry poster on, on yeah. her wall above her dresser in order to be like, no, 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 she's real. This isn't she's really not a real. Punk. Like she hangs out with Great these people, poster. but that's I not a real thing. I said there were two thing. saving graces to me. There were actually three saving graces, and one of those was yeah. just that little poster. And I was like, hey, I wouldn't mind having that poster in my office, but uh, yeah. but yeah, maybe that because like. It feels why I guess I was thinking is what you're saying there, Matt. It feels like if Jonesy then came in, it was just like, play me a bit of a song then that you're doing. And she like started with that. He would be like, what the fuck is that song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. bloody bollocks. I don't know what this is. Because yeah. yeah. it's not like connected to even just like what she's been teaching him. It doesn't feel connected to like, oh, if you dragged the roots of uh, uh, the Sex Pistols, you could hear the like 50s rock slash working class music, etc. Like, it's not no, connected. It's so it just, no it's skiff, out of nowhere. Nothing. It would be like if someone's yeah. just like, um, honestly, in a weird way, it's like, uh, it, it, hey, it's not for name dropping people. But I remember like in college, like when it would be like, oh, if you heard Noah's like panda bear stuff right and you'll be like what is this guy been doing in his dorm room <laughs> you know like if he like if he was just like when he'd just be like hanging out with us like and then you're like wait what happened over there <laughs> like yeah. uh like it's like i'm not seeing the a to c logic um uh, right. So yeah, I, the right. pretend it it makes it all the more confusing yeah. that she's like, "Get, yeah, like, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go form this song." <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's it's like, yeah, it's like the answer Christ moment. What? What's this? Yeah. Like this is <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you heard it here first. Pretenders are like Gaps of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Sex Pistols to Pretenders is like Man is the Bastard to Amps for Christ. Malak! That, Malak! <laughs> yeah. that, that lines up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it does. Um, it actually kind does. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now we can so, pull back to Sex Pistols. I, that's all I had to... It's just like because it also... Besides the fact that it is totally... I said it before, but perplexing that they wouldn't just fucking go for it and have Jonesy pop out and just be like, have a good show. Like, you're the one with the skills. Like, you're the one that's going to be great. Like, fuck it. But it, because it, it, it all they did, weirdly no. connect. By the way, your friend Sid is dead. <laughs> and also, by the way, apparently you're friends with Sid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, again, the show just did not know what it wanted to do with her. Like in in Back to Five, there's a line where Jones is like, "I want to play real music with you." Mm-hmm. You know, in contrast to the fake music that he has a number one song with, you know, with the Sex Pistols. And so it's like, what are they? It's unclear what her role is supposed to be, other than we need a female for you, for this our male lead to play against. Yeah. Right. We and need so they ways. Throw in a lot of yeah. It's yeah. like they need ways for him to like have this dialogue but he's not having that dialogue with malcolm or johnny so it's like oh well she'll teach you how to play guitar and you can have these discussions and it's showing that you are not 100 percent sold on being in that band if it's and you have a if it's based on the book she her entire character 
goes the way of the cone of protection or whatever the fuck that thing was in like track one. Oh, right, right. Right? How that the, was like the, a whole ca- th- yes. thing he came up with, and then they just move past it. Like, I and forgot it, about that. Yeah, it feels like a book move that doesn't, that doesn't have a payoff. And she is the same, the cone of protection or whatever it was called. Um, Cloak of Invisibility. Yes, yes. yes. Cloak of track Invisibility. One. Track one. Track one. Track one, baby. Um, I will say it's just for me, but when the guy peeks his head out and is just like, your friend Sid, he's dead. Sorry about it. It reminded me of, there's just a scene in Weird Al Yankovic's UHF where like, the son of the evil television guy peeks his head and he goes, hey dad, you better turn on channel 62. Something interesting's <laughs> happening. <laughs> like it has the same tone to me of being a joke. And I'm saying this is, I'm quoting a parody movie. Uh, yeah. In relation to pistol <laughs> and the supposed to be sad, gut wrenching scene of us seeing Chrissy Hind have a flashback to remind us, as Pete said, "Oh wait, you were friends." <laughs> like, who <laughs> knew? Fun. I forgot about that one scene where you vaguely knew each other. In track six, there is—I forgot—there is more. Uh, there's more potty humor that comes up. Oh, because yeah. they're on the tour bus and it's like, oh, uh, you know, so someone, yeah. one of the roadies takes a dump and then Sid's got to get in there and it stinks. And um, So you think there should be a super cut of Pistol that is all of the potty humor. Yeah, they, well, they but should it, do the Wet Hot American it is Summer. Yakety Sacks from Benny Hill. And so it's like... It's like this show, it wants to be a real drama. But that is essentially how it handles heroin addiction. Right. Fart, fart jokes. Right. It's so weird. It's so fucked up. Like, it's not like, I'm not like, I don't mean that in a moral way. It's just like so bad. It's such bad storytelling. Well, yeah, I do think it like kind of uh, handles a pretty large subject with just like, oof, heroin sucks, huh? But it's trying to, oh, yeah, but it's also trying to be serious. So keep inserting the shit jokes, right. like undercuts that, right? It, whatever. A piece. Well, and I also think sorry. like they're trying to shove so much into, you know, I mean, Sid is really not introduced fully until track five, so they're trying to put so much into two tracks that you, like what you were saying before, Matt, is like it's his addiction problem is it's shown more as like less about the addiction and more about like. His like, uh, he's a cutter. Yeah, that he's a cutter, basically. Yeah. Um, but do you think that Danny Boyle? This might be giving too much uh, credit. That the last two tracks are so, I uh, guess, like ferociously <laughs> fast forward, like a like a crazy, like you're on the crazy train. Um, is crazy. trying, crazy is trying to emulate. Uh, sort of like Sid's burning out and the band coming to an end that like everything is just going to be like on this mad dash. That's interesting. Thank That's you. That's interesting. Can I give an answer? I don't sure. think so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's oddly not fast paced and not like, but maybe he thinks it is. Like it's like, it. I don't know because it, it Trek six is 
more frantic cut it but it's more about the franticness of that they're in america and this tour is just batshit from show to show and they're crazy and they're becoming rock stars uh combined with also like this one they really trek six they really do also go really full hog and just being like oh i guess you're just going to show us real sex pistols footage Mm. now yeah like it's off-putting um especially when you will counter sometimes with like them playing like him actually singing and you're like pick one or the other buddy um but that's true no i felt like it was more about the the toy or it came across if unless unless it was intended as supposed to be that but it was just like sid is an addendum to this craziness of the sex pistols so it also weirdly like uh, 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 doesn't put as much weight on the heroin addiction and on sit like because everyone is just like a mess mm-hmm. uh, except for cook again cook is just non-existent yeah. i don't even just, think he's on the t- tour bus sometimes they didn't budget in in the uh they couldn't fit the drums in you know what's interesting though it's like this is the guy who did train spotting who i felt like hit hit the nail on the head with heroin yeah in that you know for me you know not growing up around that stuff when i saw that movie i was like oh like these guys seem strung out and and um, for me growing up on that <laughs> stuff <laughs> yikes oh this got dark so I, I think it would be funny it would be a great move if if it was if the hecticness of the episodes were about like the acceleration of what's going on within the band i think the the, the thing like jeff was saying that I agree with Jeff that it's not. I think the proof is in that it's not edited to be fast. It's not edited to be jerky. It's just like, – I mean the pacing of the scenes is the same. It's just they spend absolutely no time on on the things in each of the scenes. So like say there was like you know 12 scenes in – 12 to 20 – or 15 to 20 scenes in um, like tracks 1, 2, and 3, and 4 – there's still 15 to 20 scenes in these last two episodes. They just never come back. Right. They're just throwing so many different things. It's more of a collage than it is an actual episode. In, in one, two, track one, two, three, and four is closer to Terry Riley's in C, where there's all these different things going on, and like the piano changes, but the oboe doesn't change. Uh, uh, but they're going to maybe connect at some point. And then track five and six is if. It's someone who doesn't understand how Terry Riley's in C works. And all of a sudden the piano just stops and you're like, wait, <laughs> I think we still have 20 more minutes. You have to keep playing that C note. What is going on? Like you just resolved it on your own uh, by not resolving it. Um, well, it, that I mean, because also what you just said there is like whatever, you know, a person's uh, opinion on train spotting is at the very least, it can be like a great that it's like most people agree upon it as like this uh, iconic representation of addiction and heroin. They're dirty. They're, well, they're negative. But in this, dirty, it feels like it, it's like he's like, Ugh, I don't want to play that song again. Like, it's like if he was a band and he doesn't want to play his hit. But and you're like, wait, like you're, you're doing the same song, but in the wrong right. way. Like it's... um. Yeah, it's like when a, a band you like, you go see them, and then you're like, wait, don't not do the chorus we all want to sing along to. Like, don't fuck up that, like, we want a finger point right. here. <laughs> like, this is literally right. yeah, the whole is point. Like, you know, 
if a fucking straight edge revenge if project x is playing and they decide to do straight edge revenge quiet broken down and acoustic, on, yeah, off acoustic rhythm version. yeah acoustic version off rhythm so you're like waiting the whole reason you're going to see project x is to just yell out straight edge revenge <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's just like uh, it is it makes it more interesting and essential uh, mm. that he misses the mark so much. Um, what else is there to say about this episode? Steve um, injects heroin, hallucinates a conversation with John, and they make amends. Mm. So this is it. This According is, to this Wikipedia, is, this is the- according to track six, who killed Bambi? Wikipedia, description. That was a heroin. That was him thinking on heroin hit the main thing jonesy would want is basically john Lydon to come in and do a nigel tufnell from this is spinal tap like <laughs> have a good show <laughs> do you like, think this was <laughs> steve jones's way to apologize to john Lydon for one not including him in this for all the shit that whatever had happened but he can't do it face to face so he's like i'll do it through the show which would that be John amazing because never it would watch. totally be one of those like, I forgive you for everything you did. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you were upset. <laughs> hey, Jones, I just want to tell you, when I was angry at you, I wasn't really angry at you. I was angry at myself for having such a smaller dick than you. <laughs> You've got such a hog. <laughs> um, it is like, it's amazing if you, like, in his heroin dreams, his heroin dreams are the most cliche, <laughs> bullshit, biopic, make amends scenes of And that. it's like it's like all, like, Elton John rock star shit. They're on... They're sitting on steps mm-hmm, right. where the steps are small screens that project, like project make a big Sid, pro- project Sid, and then the, then live footage yeah. of them playing after Sid. You know what? It's, it's not projecting. So... Paul Cook. <laughs> oh, it is. He's like sitting in the back, like guys. I'm loading the van with the drums. <laughs> like, are is anyone gonna help me? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of like a so that that scene, which like. It comes after, so the, the show essentially ends um, with John, I'm sorry, Sid Vicious's death, yep. and then it shows then it shows the pistol credit, and then it does like a record mm-hmm. scratch, and, and it cuts back to. Uh, you're probably Jones. wondering what happened yeah. to Jonesy. <laughs> yeah. Did he ever learn to read? Where was I on this? <laughs> yeah, and it's like he shoots heroin. He has something that approaches. It's enough like train spotting when he flops back on the on the bed to remind you of train spotting. Yep. But unfortunately, it's also enough like train spotting to remind you of all the ways that this is inferior to train spotting. <laughs> right. it, it really has that double yeah. effect. Um, and then it is this like fever dream, which it's un- it's I mean, to the show's credit or or to the show's incompetence, it's unclear if it's supposed to be a fever dream. The only reason we know it really is. I mean, it's supposed to, the steps are essentially supposed to be the steps that Sid Vicious walks down when he sings My Way. But then during the, during the conversation, the steps be, there's a, there's a, like, become a, a TV screen. Mm-hmm. 
So that's how we know it's not real, right. you know, or actually it's not, it's not realistic. Um, but it is. It's, it's John Lydon um, saying, I, I, I'm worrying about you to Jones. And it's Jones saying it's not your fault that Sid Vicious died. Right. I, I don't know how we're supposed to take any of this other than just like feel-good resolution. Mm-hmm. It is such an interesting scene because you know how things played out. Right. Mm. And knowing also that when the show was made, you know, John Lydon was very much against not being a part of it or that it should even be made, you know, some might yeah. say. So it's And he's such a little prick. He doesn't ex- explain uh, really why he doesn't like the show, which makes it really hard. You know, he's like He's like, come on, do you think that's real? It's like, that's not an answer. Like, what is your right. issue with this production? Is it the content? Is it the, it's just the concept? What, what's is your it issue? That you didn't get a check that you mm-hmm. wanted, yeah. like, honestly. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, it's a weird end. Uh, uh, but that's not the end. That's no, that's yeah. right. Because that's the second ending. Yes. Because at the end of the second ending... As John Lydon is leaving, he says to, um, he says, to, like, I will always have Huddenfield, where, wherever the, the show was, basically. There's like a Casablanca-style ending. <laughs> and then it, the third ending is what Pete was talking about earlier, which is um, the flashback to them playing the show, having a good time uh, at Huddenfield. And the, in that is it Huddenfield? Is that the name I of the place? So. I, yeah, and it was a show for firefighters on strike. Yeah, correct. So and and were other workers on strike? And they so they show them playing. They show the scene where Johnny Rotten puts his head in the cake. They show a ba- and this is I think is an essential scene. They show um, backstage uh, Sid Vicious about to get like really rambunctious, and John Lydon. I think this is actually is the second time they show this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where John Lydon says, don't you dare. Uh, these are working class heroes and we're here to show them a good time in an otherwise shitty Christmas. And so why that's – so then it cuts back to them playing. But why that's important is because the last, Boy, last scene – Only conscious yeah, Christmas. A, a genuinely funny moment. Yeah. Um, but then it cuts to the last, 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 last scene is – it. I don't remember how it gets to it, but it's a wide view of the city. Oh, it's like it cuts to the queen talking about celebrating Christmas. And then it cuts to a wide view of this, this Huddenfield town um, or London or something. But it's, it shows in the foreground, a building. It looks like a video game. Right. You've like been transported through the, the roof, through the roof. You can see, even though it's just like a normal cityscape, wide angle view, you can still see, like in video game imagery, the band and all the people celebrating on the top floor of a building in the foreground, and all the fireworks going off for the Queen's celebration in the distance. And it's super cheesy, and it's lame, and like, do you, what? I mean, so I have I have a thought here, and this is what makes it essential for me. Well, and then the, then the um, fireworks spell out. Oh, bollocks! Right. Yeah, and then I think yeah. it cues so, into uh, this. Like a, I don't know if it's a chirp, church Christmas song, uh, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Right. Kind of takes you out. Yeah, it, 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 it kills it. Whatever it was going for, it kills it. Like, it's awesome. And, 
Like it kills it, bro. Nailed like, it. It, 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 nailed it. It kills it. Kills it, it bro. So if you didn't watch five hours, six hours of this <laughs> god awful like show, <laughs> and you just see that last scene. What would you th- imagine? Now, guys, you have to put yourself in the, in the mind space of someone who hasn't seen it. What would that last show suggest that the show was about? The last scene suggests the entire show was about. Because I have an opinion, and maybe it's just far off. But I'm like, oh, this is a show about um, this ornate celebration. You know, the queen is, the, the, like the preceding couple lines are about, is bullshit. And the real thing is in these moments in these in these clubs like the Huddenfield, like like what John Lydon said, we'll always have Huddenfield, and that like what they what the Sex Pistols did is offer this reprieve, if only for a short period of time, to the the monotony and whatever of the the kind of like overarching culture. But that's not what the show is about. No, at all. No. I like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I like, that as that's concept. I like that as a I like that as a ending. I like that as a as a theme to write to, uh, and I, I I like that as a philosophy. Uh, I think that is a, a truth is that life is really just like these moments, like made like you know not the mythology. Uh, well, it, combined with the mythology of a giant bullocks <laughs> fireworks, so that is a mythology, but. Um, yeah, but that's not anything that happens in no. any second of the show. I, right, the I think it makes it... Well, I think it portrays the band, or I guess my takeaway in that scene was like, at their core, they were these four guys who worked together and... <laughs> or three. Or three. Or two. Because Or two. Yeah. Cookie's even a person. Well, I'm not even convinced he exists <laughs> at this point. No, I and, took Cook out of oh, it. Okay. Because the last scene, it's like it's at that weird scene where they're playing the like three of them back Judas to back. Priest, the three of them are like, like yeah. Slade or something on briefly. The, <laughs> and based on the shows, maybe Sid didn't even play bass. And yeah. I guess didn't record on that nope. on Nevermind the Bullock. So, so two um, people. So there's two people. But at their core, they were this group that were good, honest people who were giving back. Uh, but when you watch the show, it's like there's really not many soft moments between the band. Like they're always at odds. Like they're never like, and they're not good, honest people. Right. Those are the yes. only three descriptors yeah. you yeah. gave them. They're like <laughs> the, the whole show is about them not being good, honest, <laughs> barely barely human being behavior. Right. And that's yeah, and and. That end only connects to the two, maybe three sentences spoken in the six hours of it that may be coming from Johnny Rotten here or there, being like, she's a good person, like sort of equivalent, like of just like, I'm a human for one minute. There's that one, there's in, in, in bodies, he has like that, yeah. he, we talked about it, he, there's like a slight, he's, he, he, he is, becomes a very human character in that episode. But it's not tied in. It's not deeply tied into like a working class disposition, or like you know, like kind of doing something for the working class. Like the fact that the last line of Jones's heroin fever dream is then the Lydon leaving, being like, "We'll always have Huddenfield," or and then them going to a, uh, a flashback to that. 
it lays so much weight on something that was not a theme until the last five minutes of mm-hmm. the show. And that's insane. And that's to like make it even messier, insane. think about this. I know there's that one moment apparently in maybe track three or track two, but what if the Huddenfield flashback is not a flashback? <laughs> it is part of Jonesy's heroin dream. It's a continuation because there's like it's continuing out of him having that heroin dream, and is yeah, and so it is coming past, from his heroin version of Johnny Rotten, mm. saying, "We'll always have Haddonfield." I called it Haddonfield of not Huddenfield. Haddonfield <laughs> being, of course, where Michael Myers lives, um, but. What if that is all? Because if a heroin version of a person is the one starting off the flashback, is it a flashback or is even that going through the lens of heroin as a possibility? As That's a possibility, feels a little feels, feels a little feels a little sane elsewhere. Exactly, um, but that's yeah. because the end does feel like a snow globe. Yeah, like, right. It does. No, the end. That last scene is like a, the, the fireworks scene is like is very snow globe. Mm-hmm. If the woman from Bodies picked up that stadium thing they're playing in, like it was a snow globe, and put it into her bag with the aborted fetus, it would totally make sense to me. <laughs> like it was all in her dream too. <laughs> so the entire that's why we spent so much time on her and the bodies episode. It's because the entire show is through her lens. This is making me wonder if the sex pistols were even really. A that's what, I mean. I mean just, that not. I, hey, we brought it up before. Danny Boyle. Not Ooh. to get not to get QAnon-y here, but maybe this is our QAnon. Did the sex pistols even exist? Um, I think a case could be made, but because I I yeah. do think with what you're saying, like that that ending doesn't uh, read to or even connect to the rest of the show. There is uh, and and going off of what. You were saying, Pete, where like they're and 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 Matt that like they're they're not good people, like as we've seen in this, like that is not like a truth. But like if I, I mean, maybe this is partly again now that we've seen all six of these tracks, we have seen the whole thing. We spent a good chunk on track one and two, being like, I guess we got to hold judgment till we see. We got to see how this turns out. We have now seen how it turns out. We have seen what the themes could be. We have seen what the various ideas of this show could be. Seemingly, at, at least one of the main ones is the battle between marketing and art. The battle between mm-hmm. truth and, rea- and, and, and fiction. The mm-hmm. battle between playing music versus marketing your band into being something important. And did it come to any uh, resolution on any of those battles? Did they think, do you think that it thinks it did? I mean, I took away that it destroyed, it destroyed everything. What did? When you think about the, what was the first one? The marketing What destroyed everything and what is it? The marketing versus the, um... You say marketing versus the art? art. Versus art. art. Yeah, I mean, I think that that ultimately, you had two 
things pulling. You've got like Johnny who. who two things two pulling. Two things yeah. pulling. <laughs> oh. I think you have like one over um, here, <laughs> one over here. <laughs> Real shake weights. Testies, testies, one, two, three. Um, <laughs> the. Yeah, I think that you had like Johnny Rotten who wanted the band to to do what they were doing and not get stuck with all the marketing and not have and to have creative control and then you have Malcolm who's got much different goals. But I think the band itself was sort of uh pulled between both of those two. I mean, I think Steve Jones is clearly like more in Malcolm's camp. I guess I think it's, it yeah. is just lost, you know. Sure. Based on this. Do you think that was successfully translated or what you think they translated as? Well, that's a good question. No, probably not successfully translated. Just because I think part of to me part of it that I thought would be interesting that it would be like I'm holding out hope. That's interesting. Uh <laughs> for it was that they would get to the theme of like Yes, we're talking about art versus marketing, but uh, is uh, the Sex Pistols art slash more so, is it even really a band? Like, it's like they, they have the speeches at the end. The speeches at the end are almost famous speeches. Like, the speeches mm-hmm. at the end, especially, and like kind of tour in track five and six are like, we're the band that worked our butts off together. We're the old friends who then got torn apart by the record companies, got torn apart by this, by that. Versus in this case, it's a band that is, here's Jonesy. He doesn't know how to play guitar. Uh, he's, you know, they, they think he's just going to be a good look. Here's Glenn, who's the only one who would actually kind of play writes a chunk of the things to start off with. Mm-hmm. Cookie is the only consistent of being a band member who like is like, I'm going to bring a reggae shuffle and do this and do this. Johnny's brought in because they think it's like going to be like an interesting way. Like it's all, there is no band that isn't manufactured. Like there is no art, like every element of it is like, and, and they, that isn't commented on, Instead, it grabs onto the idea of that fake heroin conversation of like, we had a good go at it, didn't we? We were a good band and we were, it was about the music, but it's like, it's not exactly about, it never was about the music. Mm-hmm. It can't be separated. What do you mean by that? It's not, it's not like, because... when I'm thinking of like comparing to an almost famous, or I'll think in terms of punk or hardcore bands, like, when it's like a punk or hardcore band who like clearly started as like a band who's going to play basements or whatever, and then eventually a manager comes in, and then like the story of like, and then the record label came, and they kind of blew up, and they kind of separated. Like every aspect of this was created from the beginning. Like so, there's always some level of marketing you can't take away from it. Like right. versus. Uh, in the parlance of us, like a basement hardcore band that then becomes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pick pick any. Uh, no, I'm not going to say pick any. Pick half of the bands in Sellout by Dan Ozzy. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like at the driving order or Jimmy World. Like 
Like they played Green some Day. level of punk band like shows they created themselves and then had to deal with the growing pains of being a quote unquote real band versus the Sex Pistols. After all these years, the analysis should be, oh, there's also a level that it was always a marketed thing. Like people will talk mm-hmm. about that with the Beatles. I was like, oh, the Beatles were just created like same with the Sex Pistols. Like it was just from the beginning. Like and but then it grabs onto the biopic basic storyline of just like, well, I guess we let marketing destroy us. We could have been something. Look at this notebook. These these songs would have been great. And even that is a mythologizing because I'm like, okay, but you went on to do PIL, which is completely right. different. You weren't going to do PIL with Sex Pistols. Like what? Those are lyrics, right? Those are just lyric sets. So great, cool. <laughs> You've got a bunch of lyrics. That's a good start. But like, you know. Um, did you have this is not a love song in there? And like, did you think Jonesy was going to be pulling that out? Like, you know, that equivalent. Um, right. Uh, Albatross. Did you have Albatross in there? Like getting ready to, you know, go on that eight minute long version. Uh, but yeah, it's just like that. The, the, all this stuff at the end, it feels extra separate in shows like this is not a show we were watching because it's after all this time, what they're coming to is still the same bullshit as before. Like of the biopic, the story, like and and to, and to glom onto almost like a cliche rock and roll story versus the truth think, of it, I guess. I think the thing that they were trying to that that it's almost like they again like they knew they were following the biopic formula. I think the thing that they thought that they were separating that separated this out or distinguished this would be the fireworks that spell out bollocks. And just just that framing of like what we did, what this moment was about, was about this thing that was about a community outside of, you know, that kind of operated independently of the Queen's Jubilee, although it didn't. You know, I mean, it's like it's so to your point, it's completely responsive. Like God Save the Queen is is framed in the way it's framed as a song and marketed because of the Queen's jubilee so yeah and so that that last scene tries to do the same thing where it tries to say we existed apart from the queen's christmas celebration we were with the with the workers we were with the working class there um and so it tries to say that at the end i think what complicates it another thing that complicates it throughout is the way in which the nihilism and the self-destructiveness was framed as like as productive throughout, you know, like, like whether it's Malcolm McLaren coming in and asking them to kind of like sell that quality or Jones's self-destruction um, and Sid Vicious's self-destruction, the band's self-destructive tendencies, even John Lydon's self-righteousness kind of takes on uh, a, a destructive element here. So again, one through five and a half, the whole thing is, self-destructive self or destructive the, the, punk like punk is punk as a destructive force which i don't necessarily agree with punk in those as as a frame as a framework for punk but it's presenting that as like what makes this biopic different is that the thing that is making them succeed is some part of these destructive tendencies right 
it's, it's remarkable that that disappears in the last 10 minutes because it doesn't really disappear. It just gets turned into something else because what the movie does is says, or the series does is it kind of says like, um, it suggests, it suggests implicitly by making that move that all that self-destructiveness is akin to them being for the working class, right? Like, so it's like, like we're not just taking down our revolution isn't going our revolution is in writing this sloppier messier kind of music being heroin addicts all the revolution jargon stuff like all of these things that they were about don't really have any connection to playing that show in Hedensfield although the show wants to make that connection Mm -hmm. and implies that connection and that's not an uncommon connection for punks to make like what makes me a revolution so it's like I'm against the ruling class how do I assert my, uh, my opposition to the ruling class? I say, fuck you to them. And instead of going to get a job, I'm going to hop trains for, for, for 15 years right. and have a pit bull with me. Right? It's that mindset. Crime think. Um, cri- it's crime think, right? It's like this very outdated sense of what mm-hmm. punk and hardcore is. But when the, when the show makes that transition from, oh, it's a show about these self-destructive, brilliant, these brilliantly self-destructive people into like who are who are – kind of rejecting the queen in one way, but then at that last scene makes it about, oh, we're rejecting the queen's pomp and celebration for Christmas and we're going to be with the working class. It, is, it, it draws a line which isn't there. And a short way of saying this is like, you, can't, you can be a crime think person and do nothing for the working class. Right. And actually, crime think politics is not politics. It's self-destruct. It's, it's, like, it's like you got some shit going on in your personal life at home. I, and I'm saying crime thinking quotes. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, talking yeah. about everybody who buys a crime think book, but like this, like just like 95 you know, like train, <laughs> yeah, like train hop, train hopping, you know, kind of like gutter yeah. punks. That's not politics or out of right? punk like to me, is, the, to, I still have a problem with like the into the wild concept. Like it's where it's just thing, like right? it's the, just, when yeah. the, the celebration of what he did, but I'm still like, yeah, but he it to what end? His idiocy killed himself. Like and and seems like he was like a fuck you dad versus like a right. strong, clear philosophy to lead to there and, and the celebration the the I guess it is the uh why it's connected and connected to what you're saying is like the uh I see the the, the unfettered celebration uh, and the un uh, the the kind of almost a hundred percent celebration isn't the truthful celebration. Like it's like you can celebrate if I'm thinking about into the wild aspects of it. If you as long as you acknowledge the parts that aren't worth celebrating in that specific story. In the case of this, it is the that ultimately the show ends up being the same as it always, the same as it ever was, uh, Talking Heads. But uh, <laughs> with the idea of not really exploring that, uh, that the concept of destruction, quote-unquote, and you kind of said this, uh, Matt, uh, the concept of destruction through the Sex Pistols is it explored in this show as, like, with most of the stories is not exactly exploring the self-destruction that is stronger that they were all going through. And is also the kind of intricately wound into the narrative 
like the reason that it uh, you know why people like it is the self destruction but that it's not ultimately uh it, that in some ways it's like yeah but also it wasn't like in a battle of marketing versus art it wasn't really even the marketing right? it was the self destructive nature of their destruction if that makes any sense well it throughout it's i mean call the wild, the call the wild thing it's opposite it's 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 about that kid's opposition to bourgeois american standards and right. norms right and so like that's exactly what in essence I mean, so there's an art and a marketing component to it. So in the first five and a half episodes, it's all about opposition to British bourgeois norms and standards. Um, the Malcolm McLaren, uh, uh, Johnny Lydon, John Lydon tension is, is that opposition legitimate or is it marketing? Right. But nevertheless, it is about opposition to bourgeois norms and standards and shit like that, right? Um, but because you're opposed to... Uh, a certain vision of culture, the, 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 the sort of ruling class British culture, doesn't mean you're necessarily for the working right. class. Like you can be like a self-centered. You can be a libertarian. That doesn't. You can be a, a, a right wing. I mean, this is like you can be a right wing um, uh, 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 reactionary or a left wing reactionary. I think what happens at the end of the movie of the series here is in giving them this glowy kind of going back to this glowy one show they played to support striking workers, the implied suggestion is all of that opposition was always only in the service of this community that lived outside, that, that, that was, you know, the, the working class, not the ruling class, but the working class. But like, no, your self-destruction, whether it's art for art's sake, because of mental illness, because it's a great marketing strategy, those self-destructive tendencies are not intrinsically or essentially or necessarily connected to, to any broader political thing. No. But I think it's really good and why this show is essential is because it gives you an image that those two things are essentially linked. And every one of the other episodes we've talked about is we've talked about how hard... I mean, we talked about that episode... I remember where one of the characters throws the TV outside the window as, an, as a punk right. gesture it's just a rock at the and hotel. Roll it's, it's just a, a rock and roll gesture. gesture. It's just a frat... But, but when you dress it up a certain way... It can read a certain way. And so what I think this show does is it draws, at the end of it, it's drawing your attention to in lots of different ways where, like, there is nothing punk about any of this stuff other than its self-declaration of punk. It's, like, in some weird way, like, it runs through all of these ways of, like, no, punk is destructiveness, punk is this, punk is that. And then, like, it understands how hollow all of that shit is on some level. The producers must know because they wouldn't have given you that last little coda at the end where they tried to give you some, like, oh no no no, this is all about the, all about Hedensfield. Well, it's like shit. You know that's cut. You know that's cope, right. right? Because if it was if it was really all about that, it would have happened in the rest of the <laughs> at show at some other point, at <laughs> s- any right. other point in the entire show. So and it wouldn't be it that it is- also ends up slightly just being that the reading of the Sex Pistols is after all is said and done and after years and years of like coverage of the sex pistols is that it's essentially beyond also the la- the real last but with the sec- the first ending of it that it's John Lydon and-, and Jonesy basically just like saying the equivalent of like we really said fuck you to the queen didn't we like and you're just like okay yes but also 
you're not going to explore like the real damage behind all of you and the interesting part it like the actual like and, and it's like and again it's just like it that's the thing we were hoping for because it's still it's like that it's almost like saying like and when all was said and done I realize that my gut reaction to the Sex Pistols when I was 15 is the same reaction I should have at 44 or 54 or 64. It's just like, man, they're saying fuck a lot. And man, how awesome that they're just saying fuck you to shit. Like, it just destroys society, blah, 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 whatever that means vaguely. The thing that you said at the end is like that last conversation between that fever dream conversation between Lydon and Jones. I actually wrote down what Lydon says because it's it's more vague even than what you said. <laughs> he said, "We did some things; mm-hmm. they'll remember yeah. us." That's like that's that's where they can get to. Right. Like I mean, like that's like, that's that's unbelievably telling. Where it's like, if you believe that punk is all of if like what punk and hard ultimately hardcore is about is this like this like just rejection then the only thing that you're ultimately going to be able to say is we did some things <laughs> like reactionaryism can only get you so far. And if the show is even this dumb Baz Luhrmann adjacent show is so uncomfortable with that pure reactionariness, it feels like it's got to come back and give you that last coda where they, it's a, no, it was really about this meaningful thing that it wasn't, which is wild so too. Cause it got pointed out in some conversation I was listening to where, and it's not like very recent, but it's like even in Marvel movies, the world has like accepted a concept of exploring the 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 fact that maybe like bad guys don't realize they're bad, like mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like Thanos doesn't realize he's bad, and that's in mm-hmm. like a movie that makes billions of dollars. Like this huge, like you know, and at the very least. You can give that. Right. It's just like, well, that's like at least a slightly deeper like uh, exploration of like that life isn't black and white, good, bad, evil, right, wrong. They, like, and this is just they have yeah, motives. and that this is just like now it comes back to just like we really did something, didn't we? Which is the essential of saying no. Yeah. What 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 was your culture? My culture was a culture of of no, like you know, um, and you know. It really does. It like hammers home like we, when when we were at, you were even joking a lot about like punk and hardcore, um, and like what the hell is punk and like what what constitutes punk and hardcore in twenty twenty two, but like in ninety six ninety seven, I remember having lots of conversations about like people would be like, wait, what's punk and what's hardcore and what's the difference, and I think some version of it was like there's there's and you uh, were like it's like pornography. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Never. That's um, interesting though. <laughs> It's not no wrong. certain nihilism. Hey, you're not rock. You People know, you who know, are like, I'm burping. I'm not doing a pregnant <laughs> pause. The, uh, I was like, I was stopping, but it wasn't because I had like a thought. Or he had an interesting thought. Humoring you too. <laughs> I was burping. Um, I think there's. I think that this show traffics in a really. Uh, it, it asserts a really nihilistic. It, it is uncomfortable with the nihilism that it has about like being kind of like about it's about the culture it's presenting itself as praising, but it doesn't know what else to say because it it doesn't know what else to legitimately say that makes the sex pistols meaningful. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. So not essential then. That's interesting. (laughs) But that is also, I guess like why I came to my first word when you said the one word, like ultimately pointless 
because it didn't yeah. add to the narration if we're considering it the narration of the Sex Pistols history like or even the analysis of punk the analysis of uh, uh, counterculture the ana- like any sort of la- like a- any sort of kind of tangent it didn't ultimately when it was done it was summed up like we really did something like that's it that was it. that's where you got to after yeah. saying we need to invest six more hours into it well that's why they got to do a second season I, they do <laughs> need to do a second season what happened to these guys huh I would love to see. It. I mean, I would love to see a pill. It's called um, Cookie Story. Mini series. <laughs> hey Pete. Hey Matt. Yep. Yeah. I think we really did something here, oh, guys. We really <laughs> did do something. <laughs> yeah. They'll remember. They'll us. remember us. We've for, always got. Yeah. We've Zoom always room. got pistol. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have pistol in the zoom room. In the arms of an angel, I hope you'll find. Is that Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> Is that what you think the pretender sound like? <laughs> yep. Don't do that to me, dude. 2022. 2022. I'll get McLaughlin canceled. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is that our episode? Are we done? (laughs) I think so. Matt, you got anything else? Another poem? A game? Oh, my. (laughs) Matt, better start editing this one like now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how you're going to cut this one down. I don't know. It's going to be a two hour one. Yeah. All right, All guys. Right. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We'll be, we'll get back to the docs that guys, we enjoy thanks. soon, <laughs> or maybe another. Guys, thanks, thanks so much, guys. Minisode. Guys, we'll see you. Hey, there's some coffee and crumb buns. How did Matt somehow lobby. disappear? <laughs> you sound so far away under a table. Can you hear me? <laughs> no. Oh, I mean a little. Is that better? Not really? I think it's probably. Did you put going echo down? On? No, I'm there yelling. <laughs> it's probably because I'm yelling. Yeah, probably. Guys, if, everyone, you're welcome to say, I'm going to go. There's crumb buns and coffee cake on the counter. There's coffee in the, in the, in the, in the roast. In what? The... Man, Matt's got a lot of snacks for you. <laughs> you know what I got to say to that? You ever feel like you've been treated? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>